0: This is Gene Lance on the Worker's Beat Extra. The International Institute for Democracy and Electoral Assistance in Stockholm has issued its list of democracies in the United States and its evaluations of all democracies in the world. The United States has now been added to a list that we didn't used to be on. The new list that we're on is called backsliding democracies. In other words, our democracy is eroding away according to the International Institute for Democracy and Electoral Assistance. Now, that may not be exactly what you wanted to hear. I'll go even further Democracy in the world is going backwards three times as bad as it was before, according to that same group of organizations. Democracy is kind of an abstract term. And maybe most people don't really want to talk about abstractions. But one thing we all agree on is fairness. We would like things to be fair. Americans live pretty well under the fairness that we have, the level of fairness that we have, which is limited. Things have never been completely fair in America, and they're not completely fair now. They may be a little more fair than they were, say, under Jim Crow, or a little less fair than they were, say, before Ronald Reagan was elected. A really good way to understand American history is by seeing it as a long-term struggle for fairness. This nation began with almost zero fairness for black and brown people and limited fairness even for the rebellious English colonists. In order to vote under the Constitution when the United States was first formed, you had to be white, you had to be male. You had to be at least 35 years old. And you had to be able to prove that you were a property owner. So an ordinary worker and their family, they couldn't vote. They didn't have any fairness. If you think of fairness as a bundle of sticks, then they didn't, they didn't have a single stick in their in their sack. But the struggle for fairness took many forms including the awful Civil War. But it was always ongoing, and it still is. Even in my lifetime, I've seen the official end of school segregation, the official end of poll taxes, the official end of white primaries, the official end of impossible tests for the right to vote literacy tests, and the official beginning of multilingual ballots. I have to say these are official things because these victorious battles aren't entirely over, as no battle is entirely over as long as we're still ruled by the same people. The problem with being ruled by the same people is that they can always take it back, and they always will. They always try to take everything back. No matter what we win, As long as we still have the same people running this country, they're going to try to take it back and put us back to some earlier time when we had less fairness. We have ongoing fights for fairness right now. The fight over, for example, whether or not three white men can run down a black jogger and shoot him and get away with it that's a a fight for fairness that's going on right now, or whether or not this kid could take a machine gun to a protest meeting and shoot people down, which we just saw a setback in our fairness when they made the decision on that case. A lot of people think that we have total fairness in the United States, and they're always saying, you know, that other countries don't have fairness, but we do. If we had campaign reform so that big money didn't determine most of our election outcomes, we'd have a lot more fairness than we have now. If the people had more say-so about foreign affairs, even if we had some say-so about foreign affairs and some say-so over the economy, then we'd have a lot more democracy and a lot more fairness than we have now. To make a generalization, if people had the same amount of say-so in and such and such a process as they are affected by its outcome, we'd have a lot more fairness than we have now. So some people think the United States is totally fair, and you know, in other countries are not. They're mistaken. The United States is not totally fair, and never was. Some think, on the other hand that the United States is already gone into the unfair column. Some people think that the United States has already gone fascist. Every now and then on Facebook or some other social media, I see that one of my friends has condemned the United States for becoming a fascist nation. Hardly any of them could come up with a definition of fascist if they were asked. The Italian dictator who started the fascist movement called it corporatism. In other words, the rule of the big corporations. In Italy and Germany, fascism came about because the bosses preferred this form of rule as a way to stop the growing socialist movement in Europe after the Russian Revolution. Prior to World War II, there were a lot of people who wanted fascism in the United States. There were brown shirts and black shirts and silver shirts in various cities and in various areas, uh, all of whom uh, liked to emulate Hitler and uh, try to bring fascism to the United States. Here's the definition I go with on fascism. It is the most extreme and undemocratic form of capitalist rule. Now, we may have had some setbacks in our democracy in the United States. In fact, we've had a lot of them lately. But we haven't arrived at fascism. And in my own opinion, I don't think we will. Because Americans will ultimately cling to fairness. Americans want fairness. They believe in fairness. It's a part of our heritage. And it's a part of everything that we uh, think about in terms of how we get along with other people. We all want fairness, so we want other people to be fair with us and we want to be fair with them. Americans have a long history of struggling for more fairness. Best of all, we've won some of the basic methods of fair struggle. It may be true that our elections are shot through with corruption and big money buyouts, but they are largely honest and largely available. Our right to peaceable assembly has survived. Even though recently uh, they said that uh, somebody could take a shotgun or take a machine gun and shoot uh, protesters, we still have the right to protest. Our sources of information may be bought out by big corporations, but most of the spokespersons working for them mostly still believe in honesty. Newspaper reporters, they think they're being very, very honest. They may not be able to publish the things that they would like to publish, but they don't see that as a big problem. They think they are being honest, especially in a case where something happens and one person says this and another person says that. They think if they publish what both people said, then they've been fair. So, for example, if a bunch of workers go on strike, and they have a list of their problems that they caused them to go on strike, the newspaper may publish that, but they will also publish the boss's version of the whole thing. And then the newspaper reporters think, well, okay, we published both sides, so we have been fair. And for the most part, they really believe that. The the honest truth is that just because there's two sides to a question doesn't make them equal. Just because one person said something and somebody else said something else does not mean that they're both uh, equally responsible and both equally well-informed. One of them could be lying, but a reporter generally will, re- will publish what both people said and uh, consider that as fair. Back in 2011, I tried to help the folks that set up tent cities on public properties. They shook things up in America significantly. Several union leaders asked me to help interface with that movement, and I believe they were sincere in trying to ally with them. Here in Dallas, where I live, the efforts of union leaders did not get very far, except for having a strong temporary economic effect on the docks, on the West Coast. I don't think the Occupy movement could claim much success other than a few days on the docks on the West Coast. They can be proud and justly proud that they changed the dialogue of dissent in America. If it hadn't been for the Occupy uh, activists, the concepts like we are the 99% might not have been understood widely. Also, they show that there was tremendous discontent during the Great Recession and that there were thousands of people willing to fight. But the union leaders who tried to relate were frustrated in this fight for fairness because they couldn't find any kind of plan in the Occupy movement. For practical purposes, there wasn't one. In fact, a lot of the Occupy activists were proud that they didn't have a plan. There was just that one really great tactic, which was setting up tent cities on public properties. No matter how great a tactic might be, we shouldn't make a fetish of it. But we did, or the Occupy movement did. And fairness really didn't move forward very much because of them. It might've been better if they'd have had a plan. I honestly thought around, say 2013, that they would have a national plan. I thought perhaps that they'd start occupying parks and places on the West Coast and start working their way across toward Washington, D.C., and occupy different public places uh, in a wave of uh, thousands of people. This was tried once before in 1894. There was a man named Coxey who got the idea of having a march on Washington that started on the West Coast, and they got a lot of publicity. Jack London, the author, was in Coxey's Army, and a lot of other famous people joined it, at least for part of the time. They marched, but they didn't march all the time. They tried to catch trains, and, uh, and some of them, of course, paid their way, and I suppose they must have had a few horses and some other ways to, to move across the country. But eventually, they got to Washington, D.C. with maybe 1,000 people or so. And that was a plan. They were marching on Washington, but they didn't get there with tens of thousands like they thought they were going to. They got there about 1,000 people, and they got arrested for trespassing. And that's about, uh, that was the end of that plan. So the point I'm trying to make is that you have to have a plan if you want to have more uh, freedom and more fairness more democracy. And it's going to take a big long struggle. There, be, There's going to be a lot of struggles. Some of them will have good plans. Some of them will have plans that are not so great. But there will be a lot of struggles. And eventually, we will win. This is Gene Lance on the Workers Beat Extra.